0: Living Visible. On this podcast, we will talk about how people have overcome obstacles and faced their challenges in their invisible disabilities. Hi, everybody. I am your host, Addison Price. I'm Miss Oklahoma 2019. I'm a speaker, performer, and advocate. I'm also a very proud dog mom of my 70 pound golden doodle named Finley. This episode is a very special one for me. I have my mom, Shannon Price, on. She is my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter, and my biggest role model. She is also the executive director of the Fine Arts Institute in Edmond, a nonprofit arts organization that helps keep art in schools. Her passion led her to leading a community arts organization that offers educational enrichment for adults and children in visual and performing arts. Thank you, Mom, for spending the time with me today. I am so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I know. We're going to have some fun. So this podcast is all about sharing your journey and talking about your invisible differences and what has gotten you to the place that you're in today. So you know very well that mine is dyslexia, and we'll talk more about that later. But what's something that you feel like has held you back or that you feel like has been an obstacle that you've had to overcome?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of different obstacles that come up at different phases of your life. And there's also a lot of obstacles that... I face that I'd never expected that I would have to. Um, for me, one of the hardest things that I have to do is public speaking. I absolutely hate it. It's kind of like some people love to go to the gym. And then there's some people that never love to go to the gym. I will go to the gym, but I don't love it. And it's the same. And I feel the same way about public speaking, even though that is a huge part of my job. So I had to, I knew if I wanted to be in an executive director role, I had to become comfortable with that. And I had to push myself out of my comfort zone to get there. And that was definitely not an easy thing for me to do. It required um, a lot of training, going to different clubs and forcing myself to get in front of audiences. And not everyone is as good at it as you are, but some of us don't grow up talking in front of large groups. So you started out as an art teacher and
0: you started by working with the Fine Arts Institute And then later, you now are the executive director of the Arts Institute. So what was that transition like? Were there any fears that came up with that? And how did you go from being an art teacher to being the executive director? That's a pretty big change and a pretty big gap that was filled.
1: It absolutely is. And I can say that when I started out, my career as an artist and art teacher, I never had a plan of being executive director of anything. I wanted to paint. I wanted to create. But I was lucky enough to get involved with the Edmund Fine Arts Institute whenever, um, it was like when I first got married, like in 1994. And I started teaching there after school art programs. But I fell in love with the vision and the passion of that organization and just the creative element in it. And so I was very drawn to keep doing other things. I volunteered a lot for the organization. I held multiple different, different roles. And at one point... The executive director before me asked me if I would be an elite, a liaison on the board of directors, and so I was really excited about that. But I sat in a room full of bankers and medical sales people and um, all different realms of. of <laughs> you're getting rid of me. No, you're right. Okay. All different um, realms of people with diverse backgrounds, and at that time I. Thought, well, I'm just an art teacher. What do I have in common with these business professionals? And one of the things our executive director would do would be get to know you games at the beginning of every board meeting. And one day she asked the question, if you were to do anything else other than the job you're doing, what would it be? And as they're going around the room and you hear bankers saying things like, oh, I'd want to be a hot air balloon pilot, or, you know, I want to hunt have an alligator farm or, you know, all these kind of random things. I thought I really am doing what I love. I don't know what else would be better than this, but to maybe have her job. So when it came to my turn, I said that exact thing that I love what I do, but the only thing that would be better would be to be in your position and be executive director of this organization. And at the time I didn't know, but that is what put the idea in her head that this girl has a passion for this and I need to start grooming her and training her. And she became my mentor. And I think she saw something in me before I ever saw it. So she really helped develop that and get me where I am today. So through that experience, I kind of feel like you have to remember, don't be afraid to ask for what you want. You know, you have to speak it out there. You have to, um, people are not just going to offer you something if they don't think you're interested in it. So Mm -hmm. I kind of took a risk and I did. And here I am what do you feel like was the biggest thing that you didn't
0: know getting into that position? Like what was the biggest learning curve for you? Because as I said before, that is a big gap to go from an art teacher to an executive director, but you had her mentorship and you had her leading you, but now being where you are today, what did you, what did you learn?
1: Well, I knew the, the art piece and I knew about programs and quality art education classes and, and that piece of it. What I didn't realize was the business end of running a company and an organization like that. So being brought up to speed on the way you do your financials, the way that the tax laws are, um, and which and things are always changing. So there's constant continuing education with that. But there's so much behind the scenes that you have to do that people don't see that just walk in the building. And I've kind of looked at it as it's a different way of being creative. You know, I was creative mm-hmm. in um, the art that I actually did with kids, but now I had to learn the grant writing skills. I, 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 I had to learn the, the public speaking skills. I needed to know how to make an ask and close, close a deal. You know, all those things that I was never really trained for whenever I was in college. Mm-hmm.
0: So this is shifting gears a little bit, but I get asked all the time by parents whenever I'm speaking at schools or speaking to different school board foundations, whatever it might be, how did my parents you know, kind of set me up and teach me to be the way that I am? And I talk a lot about whenever I was diagnosed with dyslexia, how you all didn't tell me. And I want you to go into a little bit of why you chose not to tell
1: me and why why you and dad made that decision. Well, I think whenever you are confronted by the teachers and counselors and things like that and sat down and told that your child is labeled, you know, learning disabled. It's a little bit of a shock and it takes a little bit of time to process that because it's your baby and you really don't see them any other way except for perfect, right? So, but then it started to make sense. Some of the challenges that you had and some of the way, the reasons that you were struggling, it, was almost this relief that diagnosis was a relief because we knew how to make you be the best version of you or help you get there because we could ask for the tools that we needed. Um, You were pretty young. You were seven or eight years old whenever all of this happened. And it just wasn't something that I wanted you to think in the back of your mind forever. Well, I can't do that. I have dyslexia. I can't do that. I'm in a special ed class, or I have to go to the the, the learning lab, and you know all that kind of stuff. I just wanted you to be a hard worker, and everybody has to, everybody struggles with something, and so yours was going to be that you just had to apply yourself a little bit harder. You could get it. It just you had the path for you to get there look different than what your classmates did, and the way you had to work on things was a little bit more of a challenge. So we didn't really we weren't trying to hide it from you. We were just trying to have you feel as included and mainstreamed as possible, even though you were pulled out for some classes. Mm -hmm. But we just said it was because you were an extra special kind of learner. And so you got to have a little extra help every day. Right. (laughs) right. So what do
0: you, what would you say is your biggest advice to parents who maybe have a student who not necessarily even has a disability, but has some sort of an obstacle that they face and maybe it is school related, but in some form, what do you feel like is a good key, key piece to keep in mind with those students and with the parents in the way that they are raising their students?
1: Well, first off, I think that every child is very individual and what's going to work for one isn't going to work for another. And so I know like with your brother, we parented the two of you very, very differently and success for us, for you, wasn't, didn't mean straight A's. It meant, is she working as hard as her capabilities allow? Is she really trying? Um, That's how we measured success. So I, I would encourage for parents not to base success on a grade but success is, is your child challenging themselves? Are they stepping outside their comfort zone occasionally? Do they keep trying and keep trying? And even when things are hard, because to me, I would put you up against any anybody because it might not come easy for you, but you are probably the hardest working person that I know because you're used to facing challenges. Things don't come easy for you, but man, when you get it, you get it. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, But that worked for you, and what might motivate another child is going to be completely different and only the parents know, but I do think the parents have to advocate for their kids before they're old enough to advocate for themselves, but I also think that you have to teach children that it is okay to ask for help. It is okay to let the teachers know when they're struggling, not to be intimidated or scared by that, and I think that was one of the things that we really felt was important for you and for your brother. Mm -hmm.
0: I like that you brought up
1: the self-advocacy
0: piece because I know that that's something that I talk about a lot is finding your voice and being able to ask for resources that you need, no matter what that is or what obstacle you might face, but everybody has challenges. Everybody has struggles and they're going to face something where they have to ask for help at some point. So to be able to use your voice is so important. I know that I get asked the question a lot of, what did my parents do to make me so driven? And I know my answer to this and I know what I would say you guys did, but I'm curious to know, what do you think you kind of embedded in me that made me so driven and made me be so goal oriented at such a young age?
1: Well, from being in education and being a teacher for so long, the one thing that would drive me crazy are kids that feel like they're a victim, you know, or it's never their fault. They can't take ownership of, of, their situation. And so it was really, really important that you never grow up being a victim that you were taught. If you don't like your situation and the circumstance, you're the one that has the power to change it. And so you, you know, you were driven and I don't know if that's from us telling you that at a young age or when you would have trouble at school, you often wanted me to call the teacher and talk to the teacher for you. And I said, no, you have to talk to the teacher. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't do that. I can't be that helicopter mom. You're going to have to learn how to navigate your own life because right. you're always not going to be with us. So that was sort of one of the key components, I think.
0: Yeah, I would always say, I would say, and this is something that my brother and Andrew and I have talked about a lot, but we think that one of the biggest things that you and dad helped us to be so successful or so goal oriented with. And the thing that you did to help us have that mindset was really the fact that you were always proud of us, that there Mm -hmm. was not something that we could do that would necessarily disappoint you or make you strip away that pride. But instead you always had encouraged us just to be our best. And as long as we were being our best, you were proud of us. And so that made us want to please you almost in a sense Mm -hmm. of let's try and be better than what they even think we can be. And it almost turned into this game of how great can we be? So I feel like that was the biggest thing that made me so goal oriented and the person that I am today.
1: I would have to agree. I mean, it was, it's like, I go back to what a success for you may not be success for someone else, but, we really never had to discipline you very hard. You guys were harder on yourselves, you especially, than we ever could be because you did have this drive to, you just wanted to us to think that you did well. Mm -hmm. And I think parents a lot of times forget how important um, their opinion is to their kids. And whenever they're beaten down or told, well, that's not good enough. Even when they try over and over again, it's very self-defeating and it causes that this, you know, they, you just start shutting down. So we wanted you to be open and know that you weren't, didn't matter what you did. You weren't going to disappoint us Mm -hmm. as long as you were trying. One thing from
0: my childhood that I think, helped me succeed in school in particular was the way that I would learn. Oh yeah. And you had helped me so much take the time. Whenever I was studying, it wasn't always the normal way to
1: study. So I would like you to elaborate a little bit on how, okay. how this would go for me. Well, kind of one of the strange things that I really don't understand how your brain works, mm-hmm. but for some reason you can listen to any song One time. And you know every single word. Yes. Always. So, like, learning how to spell Mm -hmm. was very... It kind of started with that. Spelling words were a nightmare for you. And so we would always them to song and what's really funny about it is we are not singers at all At, at all, we're bad no but we would do little catchy tunes like a p p r e c a d yeah so there's appreciate <laughs> you know and you the, probably every single time you write that word you sing that song every time um but then as as it was fun because i don't even know what you were talking about but the raps that you would make up for science for equations science, yeah and math equations to remember things you probably still know them to this day. Yeah, it's you, like, because it's light.
0: You've got to have the light to have something. It would just be, like, it'd be for like chloroplast in plants that would make leaves green, but it's like you talk about how the light hits the trees, so it has to turn green. I mean, it's like, yeah, that's how I would, that's I know, how I would learn. Yeah. I know your dad <laughs>
1: thought we were crazy because we were... We
0: have so many videos, though, stored up and piled up of me having these raps and these songs that... But it worked. It worked. And I, I, Hey, I made it all the way through high school. I'm almost a junior in college. So it it had to do something, right? right? Yeah. That was one of my favorite memories. Well, I know still to this day, you're the person that I can always call that will give me life lessons, tips of advice, be that, that rock and that shoulder to lean on whenever I need it. And you're always that person that I know I can turn to and will give me positive advice. And I always like to wrap up with three tips for success. So I know that you're the person that I turn to whenever I need my tips for motivation or for success. So what would you say are three great tips of success to kind of live by?
1: I think that you have to step outside your comfort zone. And when something makes you feel uncomfortable, that's probably a good sign that you need to do it or try it. And I'm not saying anything, you know, like dangerous, but For me, for example, I don't want to do public speaking, but I sure better learn how to do it, so I'm going to step outside my comfort zone, and I think successful people are always challenging themselves, and they're never going to be okay with where they are right at that moment. I think I can always be improving. It doesn't matter how old I am, and you can always be improving, so don't get stagnant would probably be one thing. Um, Another thing is I think it is very important to surround yourself with people who motivate you, and you know, if you're the most successful person in your group, you probably need to expand your group because it is very motivating to be around other women who are driven and trying to be successful. And I think you put yourself in a good position by choosing the kind of mentors that you have and by reaching out to women that are maybe have a role or have a characteristic or quality that you aspire to be like. And I think that that's a very positive thing for women of all ages to do. And, um, I think maybe the third is ask for what you want. Use your voice. If you have a desire to start a podcast or you have a desire to um, open a roller skating rink or whatever it might be, if you don't talk talk about it and put it out there, it's really never going to happen. It's just this dream that sits inside your head and people don't know. But more often than not, if you have a big enough circle of of impact and a friend's, Someone's going to go, hey, you know what? I know a girl who is really interested in that. Let's give her a call. And, but they're not going to know that if you don't speak up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are great. Those are great three
0: tips. And I feel like those are the tips that I will often call you and you remind me of and you help kind of lead me back to those tips of, of success and those tips can of advice. Can I say one more? Yeah.
1: I also think that it's really important to understand that success is not on your time Mhm. There is a timing for everything and there's a right time and everything you do is preparing you for special moments. And so regardless of if things aren't happening as quickly as you would like, you still keep keep working towards that goal mm-hmm. because you'll get there. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Four tips of success from Shannon
0: Price right there from Mother Oklahoma. I love it. Herself, yeah. <laughs> well, Mom, thank you so, so much for being on my podcast today. I really appreciate it. It's exciting that you get to be a part of the first season of podcast to go out and you are so much... Um, you're such a great force in my life that was really motivating for me and that always continues to push me and expand, expand myself and everything that I do. So I really appreciate well, you. We're being very, here. very
1: proud of you. And thank you. And I'm very honored that you would ask me to come and do this. Of course.
0: Updated on the latest episodes of Living Visible by following Addie on Instagram at Addison J. Price and on Twitter at Price underscore Addison. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five star review. It's a small act that goes a long way in supporting this podcast.